Well, uh, today, you know, our church, uh, if you've noticed in the hallways out there, there are four things we kind of exist to do. One of them is to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. Well, typically Sunday morning services, what we've designed is the service to help people know God, whether it's your first time in church or you've been here a thousand times. There's going to be an element that's going to help you to connect with God so that you can know him better. The second thing we want to help people do is find freedom. You know, when uh, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, the Israelites, and just because uh, the Israelites came out of slavery, that didn't mean slavery came out of them. They had to start thinking different. They had to start thinking like a free person. And so we've designed small groups. Uh, that's the avenue that we've designed to help people find freedom. That's where we do life together. That's where we walk through issues together. And that's where we begin to walk out the principles that Pastor Richie teaches us and other pastors teach us on Sunday morning. The third thing that we do is um, help people discover freedom. That's the growth track. And the next, is it step three? Today is step three of the growth track. Uh, it helps you discover your purpose. How many of you know that when you discover your life has a purpose, life is a lot more meaningful, right? And so we've got an avenue designed for that. It's following this service. And so we encourage you to take part of that. And then the fourth thing that we do is help people make a difference. And I want to encourage you today to consider joining one of the 200 plus people that serve every week uh, on our dream team. Uh, that helps people, uh, helps people uh, use their gifts uh, for the kingdom of heaven. Well, today I'm going to be talking about small groups. In fact, we've got several small group leaders here. We have over 50 that are going to be meeting this summer that's going to help walk people into freedom, do life together, and enjoy life. In fact, I want to encourage all of our small group leaders that are in the service this morning, if you'll just stand up right where you are. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely, give them a hand. They do a fantastic job leading. In fact, uh, all of these guys, their, their groups are back on the tables, and I want you to, to get with them and discover a group because there is a group for you, and I promise you, life is better together. And right now, I just want you to reach your hands towards one of these people standing up, and we're just going to pray that God gives them an incredible semester because really what they're going to do is do like what Moses did for Israel and help people connect with their purpose and find freedom. So let's just pray over our small group leaders this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for every person that's a part of this service, those who were a part of the first service, God, those that have stepped out to lead a small group. I know, God, that you have incredible blessings that we've yet to discover. So God, as we do life together, I pray that you anoint every one of these small group leaders. God, that as we meet at various times during the week, God, that we can discover, God, how much you love us and how you want so much for the blessing, all of the blessings of heaven to fall and flow through our lives. So God, I pray that you bless them and anoint this incredible summer semester in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Well, today we are talking about finding freedom and the avenue that we've set up for that is small groups. But the, I love the series that Pastor Richie has led us into called Essentials. How many of you know there's some things in life that are really essential? Some things that are good things that, that aren't necessarily essential. And there's just some fluff stuff. And, you know, for me, Disney World's the fluff stuff. I love going there. It ain't going to change my life. You know what I'm saying? But there are some things that I put into my life that changes my life. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm probably going to go to Disney this year at some point because I love going there. But it's one of those things that, that does not change my life. There are some things that are set up to help us walk in a victorious conquering life. Have you ever met people that have committed their life to Jesus and you see them and it seems like everything's going their way? I mean, it seems like they always got a bounce in their step. They always got a praise on their tongue and, and it just seems like everything's flowing their way. They're walking in a victorious life. And sometimes I look at that and I go, man, they don't have any issues going on. 
Well, the real deal is they've probably got more issues than any of us realize, but they've learned how to walk victoriously through the issues because they know that their God's going to take them through. You know what I'm saying? And then there's some other people that genuinely love Jesus, that have put their faith in the Lord, but you look at them and, and listen to what they say, and they're always down, they're always, something's getting ready to fall apart, you know, something's going wrong, and, and it seems like they're always focusing on the negative things. Now, i got to tell you, negative things happen in all of our lives. Negative happens, right? But what we want to do is to, how to, is to learn how to live victorious and conquering in the midst of when crazy things are happening. Does that make sense this morning, church? You see, listen, uh, uh, to be victorious, I love this that Pastor Richie shared with us a couple of weeks ago. To be victorious, you have to be in a battle. Now, this is what I do. I pray, God, remove the battles. Yeah, right. Does, do you feel like somebody lied to you when you were younger? Like you, you, you thought if you put your faith in Jesus and everything is going to be smooth sailing? And then life begins to happen. I begin to deal with problems. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? When actually what the deal is, we're doing right, and God wants to take us through some battles, victorious, to take us to another level. So, so I'm telling you, some of you are here today, and you're facing some things that you never thought that you would face, and you're sitting here today going, what am I doing wrong? Friend, I want to tell you, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right, because God's taking you through to the other side, and he's going to take you into some experiences that you've never experienced before. He's going to take you to some mountaintops that you've never been before, and you're going to see his faithfulness in some ways you never thought possible. You see, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Richie said, joy and peace can't exist in an atmosphere of uncertainty. And we're just naturally wired that when something goes wrong, what do we do? We begin to blame God. Well, how could God let this happen? When the whole time God has already set us up for success to take us through the circumstances come up in our life. So what we want to do as we discover and find freedom together, we want to get to the places in our life that our spiritual life is not tagged into. I'm having a great week if everything's going my way, and I'm having a horrible week if everything falls apart. We want to get to the point in our life where whether it's raining outside or it's hailing or the sun's shining or, God forbid, the wind is blowing... You guys ever had the wind blow at your house before? Like every day. None of that affects who we are in Christ. And none of it shakes our confidence in God. Today we're talking about surrounding ourselves with right people. Say right people. Do you know there's some people that you can surround yourself in your life with that will discourage you? And will not encourage you to become all that God has destined for you to be? Well, let me just give you a quick example. I had some electrical work done at my house this week. And I thought I was going to die this week. My father-in-law is an electrician. And uh, so I know a little bit about that. I just don't like to get in the electrical painters. I've done that before. I can do it. I just don't like to. Um, Something about being shocked is shocking to me. I I just don't like it. And so um, anyway, we hired a guy. We're paying him to come do some electrical work in our house. And the more he worked, the scareder I got. Scareder work, the more scared I got. In fact, I looked in that box... And I was like, this ain't right. And I got to say a shout out to my friend Heath who came over um, when I discovered that he could do that stuff, came over and straightened everything up. Because I, I kid you not, guys, for a week I did not sleep well in my house because I'm thinking something's going to catch fire. I'm getting ready to burn my whole family tonight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so Heath came over and he's got the skills, he's got the know-how, he's got the wherewithal to do it, and he redid everything. And I'm, can I tell you, last night is the first time I slept all night long in the last seven days. Yeah. 
And what I learned in this experience is that if I surround myself with the right people, they can get me connected in the right ways so that the power flows. Come on, somebody. The power flows into my house like it's designed to, and it's not going to burn somebody down in the process. That's surrounding ourselves with the right people. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. It's the second book. Get get at the very beginning. Hang a right. Go two books in. Genesis, Exodus. The, The book of Exodus literally means departure. I love that. Because I believe in the message today, there's going to be some things that are going to depart out of your life that have been holding you back. From everything that God wants you to be. Exodus chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 3. We're going to read to verse 5. This is what the word of God says. So Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember how long? Forever. This is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. So this is written about Israel coming out of Egypt. Israel had been enslaved for hundreds of years uh, and they were enslaved in a nation that was very cruel. They had to work very long hours and very hot sun. And at the end of the day, if they weren't, uh, if they weren't producing very well, then the slave owners or the, their bosses, if you will, would not give them a drink of water. They weren't bringing them Gatorade. They weren't cheering them on in the sides. Hey, guys, you can do it. No. What they would do is they'd get a whip and they'd crack and they'd just beat the crap out of them. And so they would get back in line to produce what they wanted them to produce. And so their life at best was miserable. At worst, they died in slavery. And so this is what the word of God is saying. He said, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Now you have to understand, it wasn't somebody going into, it wasn't Moses going into a jail cell where there are 10 or 15 guys unlocking the thing and they all walk out together. This was more than a million people walking out together. Now I could get it like if there's one person in slavery in Egypt... And that one person came out of slavery into freedom. But listen to me. God set everyone. Come on, somebody. God raised up a deliverer. And his plan was for the entire nation to be set free. That's what we're talking about today. Because some of us think, well, I I can understand how they can live the victorious life. Because they've got all this right stuff in their life. And so that's going to equal this plus this plus this plus this is going to equal a victorious life. Church, can I tell you today, God wants you to walk in freedom. And that's what we're talking about today. That's why I'm so excited that you're at church. Listen, it goes on to say, on this day, very early in the spring, in the month of Abib, you have been set free. You must celebrate this event in the spring. Uh, and this month, each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the Ites people, he swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, church, one of the things that I've learned and I've recognized is this. Uh, I've got two points that I want to share with you today, and both of them are incredibly important. I want you to write them down. And for you to live a victorious conquering life. I want you to write this down. The first thing that you've got to do, you listening? Remember your miracle. I don't think you heard me, church. You have to remember your miracle because the same God that delivered you in the past is the same God today that's going to take you through to the other side. Now, I grew up in church. 
I grew up uh, uh, going to Sunday school. Y'all remember Sunday school? We actually had a school to teach you the Bible, give you tests. Better hope you're passing that one because you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. <laughs> when I come out of Sunday school, Sunday school flunky. I don't want to be that one. But I grew up in Sunday school. I started hanging out with my uh, youth pastor when I was a, about in eighth grade, ninth grade or so. Went through student ministry. And so um, I began to look at his life and I was like, this dude's got a maid. They're paying this guy to have fun with students. This dude works like two days a week. He's there on Sundays. Back in the day of Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then Wednesday night. And the rest of the time, he's hanging out with students. We're eating lunch together. We're going to camps together. I'm like, this is the gig that I want to be on. So I kid you not, God is my witness. I joined ministry going, that's what I want to do. I want somebody to pay me to have a little bit of fun because I'm working two days a week and I'm hanging out with people. So I went into ministry, went to a Baptist Bible college, got my degree. And as I was going there, I was on staff at a church in the south part of Oklahoma City. And uh, one of the things that we did every year is we took our students to camp. And so we were taking them to Falls Creek. Some of you may have been to Falls Creek. It's a camp in the summertime. They have seven or eight weeks of camp. There's typically between six and 8,000 students there per week Do it for seven or eight weeks. So I had a group. I was taking them there. Um, and so we had sat down for the evening service. And the camp pastor back in the day had a message on that Thursday night. I'll never forget this. Now, I grew up in a denomination that was all about the shock and awe. You wanted to shock people so they go, what? And then you give them a little bit of Jesus and they're like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So he shocked them to get their attention and then you deliver them some goods. It's like, it's like in my house, when I cook supper for somebody, seriously, I'll have them there at five. We don't eat till seven. Because they're so hungry, I could throw Alpo in front of them. They're like, this is the best stuff ever. That's what we would do back in the day, right? So shock them and then all of a sudden. So anyway, uh, he was doing his shock and awe message on a Thursday night. I'm the, um, I'm the student pastor there. We have about 50 kids at camp. And he gives a survival kit for those that miss the rapture. Now, the rapture, you know, you find that uh, in Revelation. You read about when the, when the, the church... He's like, he was always terrifying. He's like, they're sucked off the planet when Jesus is coming back. I'm like, I don't even understand what this means. But he's talking about the rapture, and it's, a, and it's a point in time where there will be no believers on the earth. And so you're just kind of out there on your own to try to figure out what to do. Well, he gave us these seven things of not to do if you miss the rapture. Now, you think as a student pastor, I'd be going, I ain't got to worry about that because I'm a part of the church. My faith is in Jesus. And so I'll be good. The problem was, it was all about performance to me. So I was doing a lot of good stuff, hoping that I put enough quarters in the spiritual slot machine. And one day when God pulled my number, hopefully it would come up 777 he'd go, come on into heaven. And hopefully it didn't come up 666 and he'd go, bye-bye Felicia. <laughs> so I'm going into this service and he gives a survival kit for those that missed the rapture. And I'm, I'm scared to death because I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I'm just doing stuff, hoping that I do enough good that I'm going to get there. And so, man, I'm telling you, my, my world is rocked. So I didn't do anything that night. We took the kids home from camp on Saturday. I go to church on Sunday morning. And this whole time from Thursday to Sunday morning, I'm sitting there going, holy mackerel. God, am, am I playing games? And when my number's up, what, what, what happens then? So I'm in this spiritual quandary. And so 
was praying, I was going into Sunday morning, and uh, one of my student workers who, who worked in our student ministry met me as I came in the front door, and she goes, Mark, you're not going to believe this. I said, okay, what? She begins to tell me, and basically she rolls up my life story. She says, you know, I, I grew up in church. I'm like, I've done that. I started teaching Sunday school at a young age. I did that. And so I'm taking kids to youth camp, all this kind of stuff. She went through all of this stuff, this performance stuff. And she said, last night, I gave my life to Jesus for the very first time. It was not about a performance. It was about a relationship. And she said that. And it's like somebody put a dagger in my heart because I knew that's who I was. But you have to understand, I'm the student pastor. I've taken kids to camp. In fact, our particular church at that time, the senior pastor had resigned. And so I was the dunking machine. Like we're baptizing them left and right. And I'm thinking, first of all, if I get saved, are all of their baptisms now void? Like am I, you know, I'm just jacked up. And so anyway, we go into the Sunday morning service. And back in the day, you couldn't, you know, it never occurred to me that I could get saved, you know, my seat. I thought I had to come up to the altar. But if I came up to the altar, everybody's going to see that. So the, the pastor there that day gave an altar call. Man, I'm hanging on to the chair like it's the first time I've gone down a black diamond on ski. I'm like, just hanging on. <laughs> Thinking nobody's seeing the spiritual battle that's going on. And I'm telling you, I held on long enough. Whew, I made it through the service. So we left that day, and we went to eat at one of our, at that time, one of our favorite Mexican restaurants in Oklahoma City, where it's Becky and I. We're already married at this time, and uh, our music pastor. So God just, from time to time, just speaks to you, and we're right in the middle. I'm eating enchiladas. How many of you know that's heaven food right there? Just eating enchiladas. I got one on the way to my mouth, and I hear the voice of the Lord say, it's now or never. Like you can play this game for the rest of your life or you can turn your life over to me and find freedom. When that revelation hit me, I dropped my enchilada fork. And I got up and I said, babe, we're going. Like I'm going out the front door, looking back at our music pastor. I'm like, you're paying to the bill. We're out of here. Because, you know, again, I thought that, you know, you can't get saved in a Mexican place. So I'm like, the church is locked up. What do I do now? What do I do? I can't get saved to church. The church, the service doesn't start for five hours. How do I do? How do I wait? What if I die between the, and then I think, well, we've got a head deacon. I'll go to his house. Surely God will accept somebody getting saved at a deacon's house. So I go, I drive over and I go in the front door and I said, I don't have time to explain um, I, I, I don't know Jesus. Uh, I've never committed my life to the Lord. I'm getting ready to pray. If you guys want to pray with me, awesome. If not, I'm going to get saved anyway. And that afternoon, I knelt down on the carpet in that bedroom in David Blue's house and I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I moved from being a performance to a relationship in church. I'm telling you, for the first time in my life, I was free. And so occasionally... I have to remember the miracle that God did in my life there. And that encourages me that he's going to take me through what he's, what the enemy has designed for my failure. God's going to take me through to the other side. Listen, I want to get into the, um, if you're taking notes, write this down. Remember your miracle. You see, to walk in a victorious, conquering life, you have to remember the miracle that started your journey. When the Israelites left slavery, this is so cool, they already had everything they needed to be successful. What they had to stop doing is they had to stop thinking like a slave. It starts thinking like a free man. You see, there were 10 times in that last little bit of slavery, there were 10 times that God acted on their behalf to change their destiny. And the moment they began to walk out, God raised up a deliverer. 
that was leading them out of slavery into freedom. And they were transformed literally from death to being set apart for God. More than a million people walked out of Egypt that day into freedom. You see, they moved from bitterness and bondage to blessing. And Moses reminded them that God's protection that had brought them this far will take them through to the journey's end. You see, the people, the right people around you will remind you that God brought you this far and he will continue to take you through. The problem was, even though they were free people, they still thought like, they still thought like a slave. They thought God delivered us from the Egyptians. Now he's going to kill us in the Red Sea. The first big opportunity they had to proclaim their, their, uh, the goodness of God, they started crying like a bunch of schoolgirls. Take us back to slavery. Have you ever found yourself in a place in your life when you thought, I just don't want God to do much more in my life. I would just soon go back to this bondage that I'm comfortable in. And yet God's going, if you'll go through, the war's already been won. We're going to fight this battle together, and you're already made victorious. Come on, church. That's good preaching. The problem with the Israelites, listen to this. An 11-day journey turned into 40 years. Simply because they didn't trust the goodness of God. They thought they had to work it out. You see, God has already saved us. If you put your faith in Jesus... If you put your faith in Jesus, then, then your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're going to spend eternity in heaven. If your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's a place called hell, burning lake of fire that back in the day, they'd really make that big. You're going to turn or burn. You know, those kind of things. Hey, listen, if God is already taking care of hell, how many of you know he can fix your marriage? He can find a job. He can connect you with the right people that will lead you into the land of freedom. He can strengthen your finances. He can direct your kids. What we have to do a lot of times is release our control and our grip on stuff so that God's power can begin to work in that. Number one, you need to remember your miracle. Secondly, you need to, listen to me, church, you need to conquer your giants. Somebody say, conquer your giants. You have to conquer your giants. You know what we do? This is what we do. God, can you send somebody to kick this giant out of my way? And God's going, I've deposited everything inside you that you need. You have the power of all heaven working on your behalf. Step out in boldness and take that giant down. So many times we try to depend on somebody else to remove the giants when God enable, has enabled us to slay that giant. Listen to Exodus 13, 5. It says this, you must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the, and there's several ites people that are here. There are Canaanites, there's Hittites, there are Amorites, there's Hivites, and there's Jebusites. Before we get to what their names mean, I want you to hear this today, church. Walking in the victorious conquering life includes battling giants. You know what the problem with giants are? They're giant. They're bigger than you. They're better looking than you. They've got more money than you. They're more skilled than you. They're more daunting than you. And you, so you feel like this little guy, this little kid, 
uh, David looking at this giant Goliath. You ever been there? What giant is taunting you today? What is the thing that is keeping you back from all that God has destined you to be? You see, we have to realize that walking the victorious life includes battling giants. And I love that Pastor Richie said this, to be victorious, you have to be in a battle. You can't be victorious if there's not a battle. There's a spoil of the war that God wants to return to your life. Some things that the enemy has stolen. And those things will be returned to you when you're victorious in the battle. Now, church, i got to tell you, the war's already won. And so we step out in the boldness and the confidence of the goodness of God to slay or to fight whatever is right in front of us. Now, I know I'm talking a little bit deeper of spiritual things. That's why we set up small groups, because a lot of things that we talk about, walking those, it's one thing to talk about, but walking them out is something different. That's why we, we want you to so much to be in a small group. Because small group is where we make applications. How do we walk this out? How do we fight this battle? You see, the, the Israelites left slavery, but it took a process to get slavery out of them. They had to let go of thinking like a slave and start thinking like they were highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Did you hear me, church? They had to stop thinking that I'm just some poor, lowly sinner that's saved by grace to thinking that I am highly favored, greatly Blessed, deeply loved. You know, that's so much easier for me to think about Miss Inez that way than it is me. Because I'm not sure Inez has ever committed a sin in her life. I mean, she's just the sweetest lady I've ever met. And I know my life. And so it's much easier for me to believe that God wants to bring freedom in her life than it is to my life. But I want to remind you that when God led the, the Israel nation out of bondage, He set them all free. The land that they were promised literally meant richness. God had great plans and abundance for them. In fact, the Bible says this, that the Lord will bring you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Uh, It was a choice land that had both necessities and delights. The Canaanite land was known for this, for being, listen to me, church, when God's saying, I'm going to send you into this land, you're going to conquer that land, you're going to rule in that land, you're going to live in that land. What he's saying is all of the blessings of that land is now going to flow in your life. Canaanites was a place of blessing for all races. How many of you would like a church to raise up in America that would be a blessing for all races? The Hittite land were those rich in the art of war, and they were known for greatness. The Amorites were those that dwelled in high places. The Hivites were very influential people. And the Jebusites were those that occupied strongholds. And God was telling them, you're going to go into some areas where some strongholds exist, and you're going to tear down the strongholds. Listen to this, their inheritance which was already promised by God, included blessings for all races, confidence that the battles that they would fight were already won, that they were going to go to higher places, that they would operate in areas of influence, and they would be centrally uh, located in a city marked by blessing. Their promise was from God when he said, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. You see, to live in the fullness of God's blessing, they would have to remember the 
miracle that God did in their past to give them courage to conquer the giants that would try to defeat them. To live the abundant, free life, church, you need people around you that will do life with you, that will help you remember that the same God that delivered you from your past is the same God that's going to take you through to the other side. That's why life is better together. Because the enemy is a special, this is what the enemy specializes in. Dividing, separating, and picking people off. Because the devil knows if he can get you alone, and then that mirror flashes up of every failure you've ever made in the past, you'll you'll begin to believe that's who you are. And I'm just telling you, if you'll surround yourself with people that remind you that that shortcoming, that failure, that mistake... It's just a spot on your calendar. It's not your, it's a waypoint. It's not a destination. You need some people around you going, you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. On your best day, you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. On your worst day, when you've blown it, you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You don't need somebody going, oh, Toby, oh my God, I can't believe that you did that. The judgment of God's going to hit you. You're probably not even going to live through the end of the week. You need somebody going, Toby, you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Church life is better together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. To find freedom, you have to let go of thinking like a slave. And you have to start believing that you're highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. To keep an 11-day journey from turning into 40 years, you need to surround yourself with the right people.